compassion, and courage. I'm today's host, Marveline Engel, and as you've already noticed, we are missing the illustrious, fabulous, wonderful, most amazing person, Marcus Engel, who's not with me today. And he's not here because of a very good reason, and that leads us to today's conversation, which is one of my favorite topics. Today, we're gonna to talk about resiliency. As I'm sure you know, all of the studies, everything, everywhere you look, if you're in counseling, all of the things talk about the importance of having resiliency in your life. Resiliency is kind of how you handle trauma, how you bounce back, how you get through life. And um, there's a lot of different options for gaining resiliency in your life. I'm gonna talk about one of my favorite options for resilient resiliency. See, I can say it. Um, you know, Marcus, who isn't here, and um, we get to talk about him because he isn't here, but don't worry, I'm not really gonna tell secrets. Um, Marcus is quite an inspiration, and if you've heard him speak or read his books, you already know that. And sometimes it's hard to be honest, living with an inspiration. Why? Because it feels like anything I go through is not as hard as what he went through. And early on in our marriage, I said something and I was complaining about something or dealing with something. And um, then I stopped and said, wait a minute, Mark, how can I even complain to you about this when you've been in pain and been dealing with the aftermath of, of this for 20 years. And, you know, mine seems so small compared to that. And he stopped me and he said, wait, wait, wait. We can't look at life that way. Our pain is our pain. Our suffering, our trauma is our trauma and our suffering. And we still have to grieve it, accept it, do all the things to move on with life and not only compare it to other people's. And while Marcus is an incredible inspiration, I live with him every day and I'm telling you, he's an incredible inspiration. So many of you have been moved by witnessing and sharing his books. Sometimes the pressure to be resilient is a tough thing. And if our trauma isn't as big as the next person's, we can feel like, well, I'm failing because I'm not handling this as well as they handled that thing that was so much bigger than my thing. And I wanna encourage you, number one, have grace with yourself. If you are struggling, number one, it's okay. Number two, ask for help. And three, accept and reach out for that help. Know that there is help and that you can get through whatever it is you're suffering and struggling with. It doesn't matter. You don't have to compare it to someone else's. You know, there's always a story and then there's a story behind the story and often a story behind that story and a story behind that story. Many people ask me, what is my favorite of Marcus's uh, four books? 
And it's kind of like asking you to name your favorite child. You know, you're not supposed to really do that, even if you have one. But um, I will tell you, my favorite book of Marcus's is After This. And After This is the story, the reason it's my favorite, is it's the story of right before the crash, all the way through to getting and achieving his goal of getting back to college and all that that took, going through the suffering in the hospital, going through the rehab, going through getting a seeing eye dog, getting back to school. Um, this book is extremely special because those first few weeks, if you remember, if you know, he was on a trach, which meant he couldn't talk and everything had to be handwritten. And he had big legal yellow pads they kept in his room and he would write it down. And his amazingly precious, meticulous mother kept all of those notes. So during the process of writing after this, she gave me the whole stack of notes of things he had written. Marcus likes to talk a lot. He liked to write a lot as soon as he was capable too. And um, I think that is so amazing that we have all of these notes. She put the date on them. They're in order. They were incredible. And Marcus and I sat down and I would read him page by page some of those notes and him and his amazing memory that sometimes I wish he didn't have, would, um, he'd say, okay, well, this and that was going on during that time. And it's like he remembered writing everything. Those handwritten pages, a few of them are actually photocopied into the book right while those events were happening. And you see, and witness firsthand on another level, his pain, his agony, um, what he was experiencing with the diagnoses at different times, the trying to accept what they were telling him, how could this be true, trying to get pain medication. You see him interact with his friends. It is, it is really a powerful book. Um, they all are, but this is really probably my favorite, and that's why. Early on, you see Marcus write, I want to get back to school, to college. I want to see my friends. I miss my friends. That became Marcus's goal in life, and it took him an amazingly short two years to achieve that goal. That's when he went through the rehabs and all of the things, getting a dog, doing everything. Marcus is the type of person, if the doctor says, okay, I want you to try to take 10 steps, Marcus will try to take 15. It just is what he does. And that has literally saved his life, saved his sanity, saved his ability to participate in life. That stuck, I'm a type A, uh, Enneagram 8, all the things that go along with being such a perseverer. Um, so he ends up achieving that goal of getting back to school. 
And sometimes when we set goals or when we have this bar that we have set for ourselves and we reach it, we think, wow, everything's going to be great now. And it's not always great. Sometimes we achieve that goal and it's still really hard. And that was Marcus's experience when he got back to school. He had been so focused on that goal. If I can just do this, if I can just do that and get back to the dorm and back to the people that love me and that I love and that have stayed in touch with me and I'm going to have this dog and it's going to be perfect. And when he got back to school, it really, he had to face another level of how hard life was and was going to be. Marcus tried to deal with himself and his emotions the best that he could. And, you know, he would play nice and be sweet and, you know, be, yeah. And then at night, often he would turn to a bottle. And we know that doesn't really make us feel better. It just makes us forget for a little while. And that is in the book. I'm not tattling about that. And it took time. It took therapy. It took friends. And it took a, I'm going to call it magical place called Camp Mobile for Marcus to achieve the next level in his understanding of what life could be. When Mark was growing up, they had a church camp and he went to it as a child, as a teenager, and it was just a special place. He made lifelong friends there. And when he was at, after the first year of school, it was the summer, and he had just become in pain, you know, college didn't fix things. One of his friends, who's now a pastor, came to him and said, hey, why don't you come out to Moval today or this summer and be a counselor with us? And Mark was like, I can't do that. What are you, what are you even talking about? How can, I, how can I be a counselor? How can any, I can't do any of those things. And the guy said, look, 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 if you just come, we'll make sure you can do everything everything that needs doing, we'll make sure you can do it too and participate. And Mark, being the type A that he is, reached deep down in himself and said, okay, I'll do that. Marcus went to camp that summer and got to interact with everything from little kids all the way up to the older ones. And one of the things the camp did is after every week when that group of campers would go home, they'd sit around during the weekend, the counselors and, and directors, and talk about how the week went, what they could do better, you know, what went really well. And after the first or second week, they were sitting in the group in a circle and the director said, hey, I need to talk to you guys about something. I got a mother, a letter from one of the mothers of a camp counselor, a kid that was here last week. And she expressed to me that her child, and I'll call him Johnny, that Johnny had a horrible time at camp. 
And as soon as the director said that, you know, it's just like a dagger in the hearts of all these people because they are working so hard to give these kids the time of their life. And she went on to express uh, the other campers made fun of Johnny. He's overweight. They made him feel ostracized, like he didn't fit in. And, and he didn't tell anyone, but he would cry himself to sleep at night. And they were just devastated that they had not caught on. They had not reached out and tried to correct this situation. And the director continued the letter. He said, now listen up. He said, Johnny's mother said, there was one exception that gave him a really great time. And that was a counselor named Mark. And of course, Mark was like, what, what'd I do? And the mother said, Johnny said to me, because Mark treated me like everyone else because he could not see how fat I am. Those words helped change Mark's life and set him on the path he's on because in that moment he realized the one thing he couldn't do, which is see, made someone else feel seen and understood and valued and appreciated. I want to remind you that whatever it is you're going through, you can have a redemption story. I'm not going to tell you it's for the best. I'm not going to tell you those cliches. What I'm going to tell you is it can be redeemed for good when you understand that you have a purpose. If you have not read Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, I'm going to encourage you to do that. Order it today, Man's Search for Meaning and begin to evaluate what your purpose is, no matter what limitations you think you might have, no matter what traumas you might have and what pain you might be in, you still have purpose. And when you take that to heart and understand your purpose, you can start that road back to resiliency. So that summer at Camp Moval, put Mark on track to his purpose, which we all get to share in, which is sharing his story and encouraging and inspiring us. I want that for you. I want you to understand how precious and valuable whatever it is you do is. It doesn't have to be fancy. I love Mark's dad who worked his whole life um, in a factory making soap. 
and that's his words. He'll just say, I made soap my whole life. But that wasn't his purpose. His purpose was caring for and loving his family and raising a family. It's the same for you. If you've got a fancy job with a lot of acronyms after your name and you can do incredible things, it's easy for the world to look at you and say, well, you have purpose. But wherever you are in life, whatever you can or can't do, you have purpose. Understand that, that each stage of your life may be a different purpose, but you have purpose. I appreciate you. I value you. And grab after this if you want some real, if you're ready for some real inspiring and heart-wrenching um, moments in a book. And next week, Mark will be back. Oh, the reason he's here is he is at Camp Moval this week, actually, uh, speaking again. And I can't wait to hear the stories when he comes back about what he's learned and what he got to share. Thanks for being here. We'll see you with Mark next time.